San Antonio Sports Star Audio Vault is brought to you by AA Best Bail Bonds, 225-2121, or online at mybestbailbonds.com. It is the Blitz here on San Antonio Sports Star, ESPN AM 1250, 103.3 FM. He is Joe Ryan I'm Jason Minix. Lots of news with the Dallas Cowboys up at the Combine. Let's talk about it. With the best, John Mashota from The Athletic. John, how's your Friday? It's going well. You know, there's there's Cowboys kind of news, nothing definitive yet. I would say a little disappointed. My first combine where Jerry Jones is not going to speak with us, so that's disappointing. That's usually uh, one of the highlights of not really just the combine, but it's one of my favorite parts next to probably training camp covering the team. You know, we go on the bus, hang out with Jerry for about an hour, get to the bottom of things, but uh, Jerry hasn't been out here. So uh, we got word a few hours ago that uh, we weren't going to get a chance to talk to him out here. So that in turn to a lot of us that cover the team looking to see if we can get some earlier flights out of here. So uh, that's a little <laughs> disappointing, but, you know, there's still there's still stuff going on Cowboys related. So, yeah, no, it's, it's been good. Well, the, one of the reasons given was because of a medical issue with Jerry Jones, any idea of the seriousness of a medical issue or what we're talking about in reality? Yeah, I don't think it was any type of a serious medical issue. And and I wouldn't be surprised if just that message was kind of mixed up on uh, maybe it wasn't even anything medical, to be honest with you. That's just what we were told initially about why it was, uh, he wouldn't be meeting with us, but you know, uh, we got a chance to talk to Stephen Jones real quick, and he said that you know his dad's doing great, but he he did mention earlier in the week, and then and then again today um, that uh, Jerry and Roger Goodell had been working on something NFL related, like business side uh, related of, of things like of that sort. So that's why, like, I haven't even seen him out here. Usually, you'll you know you see him out at night or something like that, um, and I've seen just about everybody else. Uh, front office coaches, scouts, and, and such, and just I haven't seen him the entire time I've been out here, and so uh, I don't know that he's even been here. We know, John, I guess the big news that, that everybody's reporting on is uh, about Amari Cooper and Michael Gallup and what's going to happen with the Cowboys receiving uh, squad there. It sounds like Cooper's out and Michael Gallup's in. What are you hearing? Yeah, no, absolutely. That's that's the way. I mean, it was kind of going down that path for several weeks now. That That was kind of the word that was coming out. And I, when, when Michael Gallup got hurt, I, I kind of thought that in, in a way it improved the Cowboys' chances of being able to bring them back because if he doesn't get hurt and he gets to free agency, I just think that in a way, almost like what, the, what they're going to deal with with Dalton Schultz, it just, he's almost pricing himself out of the Cowboys' budget. Because, but now uh, it looks like you know, he had a surgery last month uh, on the ACL, and he's not going to be able to do very much in the offseason program. Uh, I, he'll probably be on PUP, the physically unable to perform list during training camp, and, and he might open the season like that. So, you know, who knows? Maybe he misses the first four games of the season as he rehabs and, and, and gets right. And so because of that, he might want to sign a one-year deal uh, so then he can get back to free agency next year after a healthy season. And, and uh, you know, with Amari, uh, it looks like, you know, he's played his last game with the Cowboys. That obviously opens up more opportunities for Gallup and, and C.D. Lamb, and so maybe he has a big season and he makes even more money in free agency. But I will say this, from from the time, the first time I talked to Michael Gallup when he was drafted until the most recent time, like, he genuinely loves, like, being in Dallas. He loves playing with Dak. He loves being with the Cowboys. So maybe he works out and even maybe it's a two-year deal or three-year deal and, and ends up staying. But 
they're working on it. Um, there's nothing, nothing that's done yet, but yeah, that's the way it looks. It looks like, you know, Amari Cooper will probably be playing elsewhere and, and they're going to try and bring back Michael Gallup and Cedric Wilson to go along with CD lamb, but that's not going to stop them from potentially drafting another receiver as well. Um, so now yeah, I think this is going to be a pretty big offensive draft for the Cowboys. John Mashota from the athletic joining us here on the blitz. Let's dissect Amari Cooper here for, for a bit. If they release him, what would they save about 16 million on the cap? He's obviously for production, the 20 million or so guaranteed. You go, okay, are you worth that? But they gave up a number one for him. So, you know, you could look at it and say you gave up a, a first round pick. So he was your de facto first round pick that year. So you're giving up on him three years in, which, you know, has happened before and we've seen that. Is there any possibility that Amari Cooper redoes his deal and, and stays for less money? I don't think so, and one of the reasons why is because if you're him, I mean, he enjoyed his time in Dallas. I certainly enjoyed it more than his time uh, with the Raiders. Uh, but if you're him, I don't know. I don't think that you hate the idea of, of getting out into free agency. He'll be one of the top most coveted players in free agency, and so I wouldn't blame him for not wanting to take a pay cut or, or redo anything. It's, okay, uh, we'll part ways, and I'll get to pick what team I want to sign with, you know? And so uh, I can I can see him being fine with that as well. So uh, I don't see him taking uh, a pay cut. Uh, I really don't. I think that they're going to end up, you know, you'll see these reports of trying to work a trade and that, but you see them in all sports. When when it gets to this point, you know, NBA, it's really popular too, where it gets close to the trade deadline and things like that, and they talk about how they're going to try and trade the guy, and 99% of the time they end up releasing him because the rest of the league knows you're trying to trade him. They're not going to give up a lot because they're like, we can get this guy in free agency. So I don't see a trade. I would be stunned if they if they traded him somewhere. I think he'll end up, uh, being released and uh, signing elsewhere, and they're going to use the money that they save on that. But like I said, get go get Gallup re-signed, uh, possibly Cedric Wilson, and then add another receiver in the draft. Well, speaking of receivers, I mean, there's a lot been made about Dalton Schultz and what's going to happen with him. And obviously with the news that has come out, uh, his stock has seems to have risen with the Cowboys. It was talk about a franchise tag for this guy, but I think that's changed a little bit, hadn't it, John? Yeah, and, and to be honest, I wouldn't give him the franchise tag. I mean, he's priced himself out of the Cowboys range because of the way he's played the last two years. And uh, I, I just – the money that he's going to make on the open market is just money that they can't give him. And, uh, I mean, I guess franchise tagging him wouldn't be the, the worst idea, um, but that's still a lot of money uh, to be giving to, you know, your tight end when you still have all these other players that you have to pay. And he's hitting free agency at a good time where they're just – the tight end market isn't great out there. So – I really think how they address that is, you know, they'll probably sign a low tier, like one year deal type free agent tight end to try and get, a, you know, a bargain there. And then I, I would be stunned if they didn't draft a tight end. I think they have to draft one, probably not in the first round. I don't know that there's a first round tight end in this draft, but in the second or third round, I can definitely see them drafting a tight end because you're, you're going to be without Schultz. You're going to be without Blake Jarwin. Um, this, you just, I mean, that's just the way it is at that position. And, and in a way, I think it's going to lead them to be in more two back sets and, for a lot of those Tony Pollard fans out there, you're going to get what you want. I, I just see they're going to utilize Tony Pollard more uh, in receiver roles and things like that. They're, they're going to have to adjust the offense. You don't have the same offense that you had last year. And, and frankly, for anyone that you know wants to talk about how great the offense was and how skilled it was, it certainly was. But then also look where it got you. So you, while you sit there and you'd want to run it back with the same team, you can also understand why they might be trying to trim some things and go in a different direction. Of course, John, it all starts up front uh, with the offensive line. How how does Jerry, Steve, and Will McClay in the group address the offensive line situation. 
Yeah, that's an interesting one because, you know, for so long, you could always count on, you know, Tyron Smith, and then you had Lyle Collins at right tackle. And the way that they played last year at times, you all of a sudden are like, well, maybe it's maybe we're not as steady there uh, as we thought we were for the next, you know, few years. So you can't rule out tackle and then certainly left guard. I, I mean, that has to be addressed as well. That's why, you know, last year's draft, they did a lot to take care of the defense, I think, in the last two, really. And I think this one, it, it, there's a lot of pieces on the offense. You can you, I could see them spending their first-round pick on, on a guard. I could see them, you know, like I said, go up a receiver, tight end. I mean, there's just a lot of areas there on the offense that they need to address. And with the way the offensive line played last year, I mean, no one should be surprised if at the 24th pick they end up taking an offensive lineman. The only the thing is, if Jason Garrett was still the head coach, I, that would be the odds-on favorite I would be picking right now. It's at 24, I'd say the Cowboys are going to take an offensive lineman. But Mike McCarthy and his time in Green Bay, he didn't draft they, – well, they didn't draft many offensive linemen and, and, and didn't draft them early like that. So maybe he waits till the second or third round. But offensive line, that's right up there with their biggest needs. Well, that's interesting because that is something they certainly need to address to, to get all those other pieces an opportunity to perform. Let's talk a little defense, though, John, because um, Lawrence on one end, Gregory on the other. Are either one of those guys coming back? Yeah, that's a tough one right now. Um, you know, they're going to want Demarcus Lawrence to take some type of a pay cut. And as of right now, I don't get the sense that he's going to be willing to do that. Now, things can change. Uh, you know, we'll see. I think it's going to be difficult to bring them both back, but I, but at least one of them has to be back. They will, they would just be too thin. After I just got done saying about all the offensive needs they have, like then if you if you don't bring at least one of them back, forget everything I just said about the offense. Number one need has to be defensive end, so that's why I don't think they'll put themselves in that situation. At least one of those guys will come back. I also would keep an eye on Dorrance Armstrong. I can see them trying to work out a, a, a team friendly deal potentially with him uh, to keep him on. But yeah, edge rusher, edge rusher would just be too thin if you don't have one of those two coming back. And so I think that they'll have at least one of those two. Um, as of right now, I would probably lean a little bit towards Randy Gregory. Um, but to me, Demarcus Lawrence is – he's one of the most valuable players on the team. I mean, and I don't know how the defense would be as good as it was last year without Demarcus Lawrence. John, as you say that, as we visit with John Mashoda from The Athletic, an authority on the Dallas Cowboys – when you hear people say, what has DeMarcus Lawrence done? I mean, really, does he deserve all that money? <laughs> the Cowboys don't need him. What has he really done? Yeah, it, it's yeah, you know, it's kind of funny. I was talking to somebody yesterday, an uh, NFL scout, about uh, Tyler Biotish. And it was funny, the scout was talking about how, you know, there's it's, it's a center thing in the league where, yeah, you, there's plays where you certainly look at Tyler Biotish and you're just like, that wasn't great, that wasn't great, but it's like, you got to pull yourself back from being a fan sometimes and, and look at the landscape across the league of what, like, well, how many centers are really that good? Like, uh, you know, it's like they might have a pretty solid one. And you, so you just don't move on just because he's not as good as Travis Frederick. Well, the same thing with edge rusher. Like, yeah, does he get all the sacks that TJ Watt does? No, but he does so many other things. And to just let him go, oh, oh, oh you don't think he's playing well? Okay, let me show you what rock bottom is. Let me let me, give me 17 games with Terrell Basham on one side and Dorrance Armstrong on the other, and then I'm going to circle back with you. and You tell me how good uh, Demarcus Lawrence is. So, and the other thing is that when you pick at 24, like, could you get a good edge rusher? Sure. Is he going to make an instant impact? I mean, you're not getting Aiden Hutchinson. You know, you're not getting Kayvon Thibodeau. Like, you're going to be getting a guy that's at 24. Like, the chances that he makes an immediate impact, he might not make the type of impact that you want for another two or three years. So. 
I, I just, I don't know. I, I think he's, I think Demarcus Lawrence is such a big, big piece on that defense. I think they'd be in trouble if they let him go. Would you agree that people that think that way are idiots? <laughs> <laughs> that, that might, hey, you know what? That might be a little strong, but uh, if you want to put it that way, sure, I can ride with that. Yeah, Do you thanks, hear that, Ryan Eagle? Yeah, thanks, John. Do you hear that? I appreciate that. <laughs> I, I I was I was kind of leaning that way. I have to admit it. I, but you make a good point. Okay, you make a good point. You know, what, you know what it comes down to for me is there's just certain positions, and 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 so maybe I'm the idiot, but I just look at it this way: like it's quarterback number one. Like if you do whatever you can to get that quarterback, and number two for me is is it's seriously the edge rusher. And I understand that Mike can do the edge rushing stuff. But in people I've talked to since I've been out here, I do not get the sense that they're going full-time like at edge rusher. It's like Because I know that there's people out there, they've talked about the idea of, like, yeah, don't resign Gregory. Let Lawrence go. Make Micah a full-time edge rusher. That's not happening. They love the ability to con- constantly move him around and, and ha- not have opposing offenses. Basically, to have the opposing offense come to the line and go, I don't really know where he's going to line up on this play. They love that. That's that. They think that's one of the greatest values with him. So he'll, he'll rush from the edges but they still want him to rush from, from linebackers. Well, he had seven sacks last year, rushing, rushing from the linebacker position. So because of that, I need, uh, like the, I need another premier edge rusher out there so that I have guys coming from multiple angles, not just one guy. I don't want, I don't want the opposing offense looking at my defense going, okay, as long as we can stop 11, we're good here. They need some other edge rushing uh, or, or they're going to be in trouble. You know, it's interesting that you say that about Micah Parsons after I get up from that bus that just rolled over me. It's okay, but um, (laughs) is Micah Parsons, though, I mean, in reality, and I know he's a very talented guy, but is he big enough to be that every down edge rusher? It just seems to me like he would just get beat up after a while. No, and that's part of it as well. But the other thing is, too, is that – you you wouldn't you wouldn't be on the field as much you know you you instead of him potentially playing you know in the sixties and snaps and, and things like that he'd be down in thirty five forties you know that's that's everything they want him to be out there as much as possible that's why they like him at linebacker and, and to your point yeah that could be a factor as well you know because he hasn't been a full time edge you know since high school uh, even at Penn State now his Penn State coach will tell you oh believe me he could have played there now they had like, Jason Oway and a couple some other good players up there so Mike linebacker was the best fit for Micah Parsons but. No, he could he could do it. I think I think he'd be fine uh, being a full time edge rusher. I just don't think that that would be maxing out what all the things that he brings to the table. And also, by the way, it's not like they're like loaded at linebacker either. So it's like you, if you move him down there, then all of a sudden the linebacker becomes an even bigger need. Well, you know, it's interesting you say that because I've seen a lot of mock drafts that they like this kid out of Georgia, uh, and, and a lot of uh, these mock drafters have him being the first round pick for the Cowboys. Yeah, you know what's interesting about him, and I'm pretty sure you're talking about N'Kobe Dean, yes, who yes. was a monster, yeah, a monster in college. The one thing is about him is he is a little bit of a shorter guy, and while that'll still that'll work for, I mean, there's plenty of short guys that, like, they're going to work at the NFL level. I mean, particularly on the back end, there's times where I felt like the Cowboys passed on certain guys that because of maybe they were a little bit smaller, but mm-hmm. they're still good players, but I just feel like with this current coaching staff, I just – from everything that everybody I've talked to, everything I've heard over the last couple of years, like they really value the length, the speed, the things like that, where I just don't know that he fits with that. Now I say that maybe, maybe he's out there. Maybe they, maybe they like him and maybe he ends up being the guy. Just the height and the length there is just doesn't seem to match up with what all the other players that uh, those positions that they're looking for. John Mashota from the athletic, before we let you go real quick, cause we're up against the time wall. If I remember correctly on Twitter, 
You tweeted a couple of weeks ago you had to get to Cameron Indoor one more time before Coach K retires. His final game uh, tomorrow, What's the, I've never been, it's on the bucket list. What's it like to be in Cameron Indoor for a Coach K game? Oh, it's, I mean, it's amazing. Uh, my, my mom's uh, maiden name is Krzyzewski, so uh, <laughs> I grew up, like, I'm a huge, huge Duke fan, and so uh, I've seen him a bunch. Like, I've, I've seen him when I've been at a couple of their national championship games. I've been in some of their other Final Four games. Seen him when I was growing up in Michigan, when they played at Michigan State in Michigan. But I finally got to Cameron a couple of years ago, and then I was like, i got to get back out there this year, cause last, last year on the sideline and that. And it's crazy. I mean, it's, it's awesome. But, I mean, now here's the thing. If you, don't, if you aren't obsessed with it, you might not love it because – Especially in the in the lower bowl, which aren't a lot of room, you're you're squished in there. It's like bleacher type seating. So uh, if you're not really into it, you probably want to be in the upper bowl or whatever. But no, nah, there's nothing like it because you're watching elite college basketball talent guys that you know are going to be playing on the next level in in a, in a high school gym. I mean, there's not a bad seat in the entire building. And the other thing is that not just in the inside of Cameron, but on the entire campus, they do a great job of making you feel like you might be in the 1940s. Like they do a great job of even when they make renovations, they try and keep it as like as, you know, uniform as possible with the brick, like the woodwork, everything to where you just, it really feels like almost like when you're at Wrigley or at Fenway, like you feel the history when you're in there. That's incredible. And you saved a couple of dollars by not waiting for the game tomorrow. (laughs) Uh, (laughs) Believe me, believe me. uh, There's multiple times that I've went on StubHub and gone, $3,000 is so much. Is it really worth doing this? I'm like, no, just close the window. You're not doing that. Don't do that. Don't do that. But yeah, I'm, I'm looking forward to watching it uh, for sure. It's going to be, it's going to be great. If you're not already subscribed to the athletics. So John can go to one of those games <laughs> yes. at some point down the road. Help him out. Yeah, yeah please do. <laughs> John Mishota from the athletic. Always appreciate it. We'll catch up soon. Sounds good guys. Take it easy. And if you're not already, it's kind of a joke. Subscribe to the athletic. The, yeah. it, it's incredible. Stuff. Mishota's great.